Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Jimmy and Irene here with the Two Equals One Marriage Podcast, and we are excited to help you, equip you, give you application and next steps to really finding your marriage equation and discovering how to find purpose in your own pain. That's right. And one of the questions that we get bombarded with, we just use the word bombarded because so many people reach out to us wondering, how do I deal with the issue of my spouse in addiction? Either their spouse is in recovery and they need tools and help in how to keep their marriage fresh, alive and moving forward, or someone is struggling in addiction and not ready to admit it or get the help that they need. So what do couples do? Well, I think this is exactly where we were. And if I think back, I did not have the tools Mm. that I have now. And if I were able to talk to that Jimmy over Mm. six and a half years ago and says, hey, you know, let me equip you with how to get through this without, you know, the repeated, you know, arguments and fighting Mm. and the dancing back and forth of who's right and who's wrong. First thing I would have said is get educated. That's right. Like I did not understand addiction. I did Mm. not understand where it comes from. I Mm. thought Irene was drinking at me. I thought you didn't like me. I thought it was Mm -hmm. all about me. And that wasn't the case at all. I was actually the blueprint for your healing. So how about I, as the blueprint, get educated? You know, I remember now, you know, going through on the other side of it, you know, reading books on this and going Mm -hmm. to websites. And, you know, I was kind of, you know, messing Al-Anon a little bit and trying to just find some tools of and some and community, if you will, of other people who had navigated this. I want to encourage you that before you confront, before you, you know, blow off the handle, before you whatever, get educated. You know what? Hey, Siri is free. Let's go. (laughs) Come on. It's true. And, you know, I remember being in denial and again, not educated, not knowing what we were dealing with. And I think getting honest is the first thing. Yeah. So getting honest with my healthcare provider, um, getting honest with my counselor uh, and asking questions about addiction and if that applied to me. Um, Now, I did Google, am I addicted to alcohol? (laughs) And I'm telling you, if you have to Google it, you probably do have an issue. So, (laughs) um, but the next steps, like you said, are there for education, for resources and community. Um, Another thing we did was reach out for help because we realized we couldn't do it alone. We need we needed people in our lives like pastors. We needed friends to help have the conversation that we didn't want to have, that right. I needed help. That's right. You needed help when you made a decision yeah. that you were going to get gastric sleeve surgery, yeah. right? And we had needed doctors and nurses and uh, counselors and nutritionists uh, to deal with that 
aspect of your journey. I think one of the things in reaching out for help is making sure you're talking to the right people. That's right. People who are emotionally healthy, people mm -hmm. who, you know, once you recover, don't hold your spouse to where, you know, they were. Because a lot of times in, in marriage, we recover. But the people that we've told uh, who are not emotionally healthy, the people who we told who are not, you know, uh, just in a place of, of really being uh, being able to process and understand understand forgiveness and understand, you know, some of the nuances of addiction. A lot of times people get stuck yeah. and we've experienced that where our you know, family members have gotten stuck and friends mm -hmm. have gotten stuck and we're in this new place, but because we told the wrong people, they're still in the old place. Yeah. And it's like additional warfare that you don't want to experience. Absolutely. So reaching out for help involved people that we trusted people that were vaults, people yeah. that we could trust to keep our um, what we had going on private while still holding us accountable yeah. um, and pushing us to get the help that we needed, not letting us stay where we were. Being able to have those hard conversations, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing is, is, you know, especially in our situation, I was so focused on how Irene was sick and mm -hmm. how much Irene was drinking and how Irene's mind wasn't right and how the effects that, you know, all of the, you know, look, all of the collateral damage that she was causing. I was not on my own health journey. Yeah. I was not getting emotionally healthy. Mm -hmm. I was not getting spiritually healthy. Mm -hmm. I stopped praying and did more complaining than praying. I, I went to church to seek you know, help for her, but neglected my own self. It's like getting on the airplane, right? And you know, right. every time I'm on the airplane, the stewardess says, you know, let's make sure you put that mask on yourself first before you're That's trying right. to help someone else. And maybe it wouldn't have gotten as bad as it was with my anger had I been willing to deal with me yeah. before I went to get you helps. And then, yeah. Yeah. So that whole working on you first, you can't control the other person, but you, what can you control? You can only control you. you. I can't fix Jimmy, but I can control what I do with Irene. So getting into counseling to help you process um, and take the lenses off what's happening in your spouse um, to create boundaries wow. in the safety of a counselor, somebody who has wisdom that can help guide you so that you're not following falling into enabling That's right. your spouse. And you shouldn't be doing that type of processing on your own. Yeah. It's too hard, That's wouldn't right. you say? Yeah. Um, because you're entangled between, um, I love this person, but they're hurting me. And so sometimes you need a non-biased person to help you process that. So I think what people don't realize is that they the focus goes on the person with the addiction, yeah. but we don't realize that the family members and the loved ones of the person in the addiction are just as sick emotionally as the person in addiction. So it is so important that you focus on caring wow. for yourself. You deserve to be cared for. You don't deserve to be lied on, yeah. cheated, yeah. Um, stolen from, manipulated, <laughs> all of those things are painful. Yeah. And we experienced that type of pain that we caused one another and needed to heal individually. I think me, you know, looking back and me being unhealthy, mm -hmm. I was unable to move us forward. In fact, uh, I was probably pushing Irene more into her addiction 
by my response, mm -hmm. by my judgments. And I like to say it this way, be careful of judging people who sin differently than you. Be careful of judging people who sin differently than you. Mm -hmm. I was so focused on what she was doing. I didn't realize that I had some issues that I needed to work on also. Yeah. And so it turned into this dance. Well, what about you? And what about what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And it just went back and forth. And then we're playing literally marriage tug of war yeah. where I'm not going to change until you change. And mm -hmm. I, well, I'm not. And she's like, I'm not going to change until you change. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is, is both of us needed to change. Yeah. So as we began to dig and do our research, we realized um, that, you know, I had some mental health challenges going on with anxiety and depression as well as the addiction. And then the addiction was making the yeah. mental health issues worse. Yeah. And what we didn't realize at the time is that I needed dual diagnosis treatment. Ooh. So literally, I think um, statistics show that uh, 20 million Americans are dealing with addiction, wow. right? And half of those are dual diagnosis. What that's telling me, they that people are dealing with addiction and mental health at the same time. We need to find a treatment plan or a course of recovery that fits us. Mm -hmm. So for some people, the intense outpatient treatment. It's great. They don't have to go all the way to rehab. Um, a lot of insurances cover that. You know, some people can do talk therapy. Yeah. There's somatic experience. There's all kinds of different treatment options. EMDR for trauma. Yeah. Like there's stuff you can do at home. But I was at the point in my, uh, on the scale of addiction. Yeah. I was on the scale where I could not stop without a detox yeah. program. Yeah. And I needed help from a facility. So I'm grateful that I had that resource. What would you say, Jimmy, to the person out there who it was in your shoes, who um, who is in your shoes, yeah. who has a spouse who cannot see that they are in an addiction and they're feeling alone? Wow. They're feeling like they don't have anybody that uh, sees things the way they do. Like, I made you feel crazy. Yeah. And I made you believe that you were not seeing what you really were seeing yeah. and you were seeing the truth that I had a problem. Yeah. How do you help someone like that? I think community is key. Like community can help you with your own blind spots. Like community is a community of people, mm -hmm. a, a community of life giving people, yeah. a community that will look at your blind spots, a community that will help you. How should I say this? Mm -hmm. You know, can you be praying for me mm. as I go into this conversation? And, and and I think we forsake some of the things that we can do, like prayer. Yeah. Uh, God, lead me to the right relationships mm -hmm. that will protect my wife. Like, I, like not really uncover you, but cover you in prayer. That's right. And, and I, like, I think that's key. Like, let me lead me to a community of people that won't talk about you know, us behind our backs. Lead me yeah. to a community a community of people that there's no strings attached, mm -hmm. you know, whether we get healthy or not. And, and and I think like we need people that are for us. Yeah. We need people that are with us. Yeah. We need people that will fight with us yeah. and and say, how are you doing and, and, and checking in? It's true. And, you know, we had a couple that was our safe couple that helped with that intervention because you got to the point where you weren't able to help me yeah. realize that I needed help. 
So we had to call in reinforcements and that was our community. So I thank God that we had other people. Um, So it was this couple that helped me get to rehab, but it was also our counselor that helped me see that I was not willing to give up what was holding me in bondage. This thing that was creating such consequence in terrible consequences in our relationship and uh, the consequences were escalating and I couldn't stop. That was an indication that I had a problem. And it took our counselor kind of breaking that down for me to even begin to open my, my, um, my heart to the, and mind to the thought of getting help in a rehab. I think another thing is, is having boundaries. Yeah. I wish I could have communicated or had the ability or the knowledge to communicate healthy boundaries, not just how it was, how you're drinking or what was was affecting me, Mm -hmm. but boundaries of how it was affecting us as a family. Yeah. Like boundaries that uh, I wouldn't slip into enabling the behavior with my anger or enabling the behavior with, well, she only had two drinks or enabling that behavior. Well, at least we're going to have sex tonight. Like, I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't enable the behavior. And so your no didn't always mean no. Yeah. It meant yes, sometimes when it benefited me. Absolutely. And so if I had boundaries like, okay, if, and with consequences, like Mm -hmm. if this continues, here's what the path is going to look like. That's right. If you drink again, uh, this is what the path is going to look like and communicating what the consequences were Mm -hmm. up front. So when your spouse is in their right mind and sober, there is a contemplation Mm -hmm. of maybe I don't wanna do this. Maybe I need to get help because what it does is it makes them see the stakes, you know, before they're, because before they're intoxicated or inebriated, because it's hard to, when you're inebriated to to count the costs. Right. But before, do I want to go to the liquor store and get this bottle? Do I want it? Because the cost is my kids, you know, my values. And I didn't know how to communicate that. I'm glad we know how to communicate that now. Yeah. And I think that um, what your boundaries or communicating our boundaries to our spouse, what that does is it protects us. It protects our heart our worth and our value. And I think that goes for other things. Like, let's pick another example. Like, okay, um, so in the the event that, uh, you know, you're struggling with something in your own life, whether that's something like, you know, I ask you the question, have you been watching porn or have Mm -hmm. you looked at something inappropriate? And if the answer was ever yes, you know, that's something we would take and we would sit down and talk through it. Absolutely. Like, what was the antecedent? What happened before that that led to you wanting to keep your eyes on that site too long or click here or click there. Um, What if it was food, like why did we, why did you choose to eat um, after you felt that emotional high or that emotional low? Um, Can we pick something else? Like, so that I believe that that type of discussion and openness and honesty is really what led to deeper intimacy in our relationship. And the boundary of we're going to talk about it and not necessarily get physical yeah. was so helpful. It like it told me that like we could separate issues, including with the drinking. Yeah. Like you got to the point where when I if I drank, we didn't connect yeah. intimately because we started to separate those things. And I yeah. feel like that boundary yeah. ultimately protected us. Yeah. I think another thing that we have done 
with that. And I think you brought something this up. We can be so hurt mm -hmm. by the problem. She's the problem. Drinking is the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, driving is the problem. Porn is the problem. Uh, anger is the problem. We can be so focused yeah. on the problem that we're not focused on the path that led us to the problem. Yeah. And I think when you uh, talked about that is, and we, we start researching and where have you been hurt before and what is happening yeah. and what's coming up for me. And when we use that language of what's coming up for me, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're trying to pinpoint where the problem is and how we got there and finding the path yeah. and the journey to the problem. And so I want to encourage you, if you're listening right now, you can be so focused. Let me say it this way. It's impossible to have grace for the problem mm. if you don't understand it's the true. path of where it came from. Mm. It's impossible to say, wow, that's not happening to me. That's really not even about me. It's my job to fall in love with the person so much mm. that I care more about the path and how they got there than how it affected me, which is the problem. Yeah. And that was where true reconciliation and Absolutely. redemption and lo love showed up. Yeah. Because God's love came through Jesus. Wow. And his love was so large that he loved us past all of our sin, all of our uh, frailties, all of the things he knew we would do in the future, the past, all of that. Yeah. And I feel like our, when you come into my world and you learn the why behind the what and we talk and we explore, that shame disappears, the intimacy grows, and you actually be, become a part of healing that thing yeah. in me. But like I have to talk about it yeah. for you to be a part of the healing. Yeah. And I think that what we're experiencing at this point in our relationship what we're experiencing in our relationship with God, our relationship with our kids. Uh, like, I feel like we uh, got a second chance at life and Absolutely. love. And like, it's all, it's been like a honeymoon phase all over Come again, on. hasn't it? Come on, we, we can have a honeymoon night like, right now. Uh, you are so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like before, the when we first got married, we did not have what we have now. No. What we have now is so much better isn't it crazy that it took digging up dysfunction, digging up junk, yeah. pain, trauma, yeah. for us to experience the love that we have right now? It's great. Like our junk brought us closer. Absolutely. I think, um, oh, I like this. If I was preaching, I would say our crap <laughs> brought us closer. Yeah. Come on, C's. But anyway, the last oh thing that God. I think, uh, which just throw another scene there, compassion. Compassion. I want to encourage you mm -hmm. to not allow the fuel of your empathy to run dry. And here's what compassion is. Compassion is, mm -hmm. is I'm going to put your hurt in my heart mm -hmm. until it's healed. Yeah. Could you imagine right now if you just could find mm -hmm. some compassion, some yeah. empathy, some coming into the world of your spouse mm -hmm. and experiencing things from their point of view. You know, Irene and I, we have three kids. And I remember the first time you said, 
we're pregnant. And I was like, no, girl, you pregnant. <laughs> and uh, I went to this thing called Lamaze class. Yeah. And I was in Lamaze class and they were, this is how you breathe. And this is how you, and, and, and mm -hmm. I was like, this is weird. I, I, like, I don't want to be in this class mm -hmm. until I realized what they were teaching me. They were teaching me how to hold the hand of my wife mm -hmm. and help her breathe through pain that I would never experience myself. That's what it means to come into someone's world. I'm never gonna have a baby, right? but I can be in the room with you and hold your hand and help you breathe through the pain. I wanna ask you in this moment, mm -hmm. as you have listened to these episodes, where is your fuel level and your compassion? Mm -hmm. The Bible says when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. And then he said, you know what? I'm gonna look at them as sheep without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, I'm looking for some harvest workers to help me lead the sheep. What if your pasture, your sheep is your spouse, that you're supposed to have compassion on them. And just like Jesus had grace for you, you're supposed to extend that to your spouse. That's right. We're called to be the blueprint for each other's growth. Absolutely. We're called to reconcile and love one another past our differences. And I just wanna encourage you, all our listeners, to join us on this journey, because we're all in it together. Let's go.